And I would never have worn a shiny plastic dress and gone to Las Vegas with, you know, hunker hunker burning love playing. No. But this is because I got the cancer diagnosis. We have to seize the day, you know. Research shows that if you feel like you are taking part, if you feel like you are in control, you actually have better outcomes. So taking an active role in this journey is really, really important. Hello, and welcome to the Natural Healthcare Network podcast. My name is Deb McLeod, and I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in. Today, we have two people on the show. We are going to talk with Sarah Clark from Mariposa Coaching and Linda Sims. Sarah is an experienced coach and trainer. She's been helping people for the past 20 years, but this is her story today. This is about how she worked with Linda Sims, who is a nutritional therapist and specializes in working with people who have cancer. Sarah was diagnosed with breast cancer. This is their story on how they work together. Sarah and Linda, thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast. I really appreciate having both of you on here. Good morning to you, Deb. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. Now, we are here today to talk about, really, it's all about you, Sarah, um, Mm -hmm. but it's about your relationship with Linda. um, And you met Linda because you were diagnosed with cancer. Is that right? Yes, I knew Linda for a while before that through okay. some of the networks that um, uh, I, I'm attend as, as, uh, in my coaching role. And when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017, uh, Linda seemed a natural person to ask advice for. Mm-hmm. And it, it grew from there, really. Mm-hmm. So what, what was the, I mean, what happened? Can you talk me through the process of what happened with that? You were diagnosed with it. Did you directly go to, to Linda? What happened? Yes. Yeah, so so what, what happened was um, around 2017, I actually had a, a very healthy lifestyle. Well, I thought it was pretty healthy. I was vegetarian. Um, I, I do dance performances, choreography, and I, and I dance. Um, and at the time, um, I felt... I was in the shower and I, I um, was stretching out my pectoral muscles, uh, sort of giving a rub um, that you're meant to do after dance practice if you've been doing um, a lot of upper body work. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt a lump and I went to the doctor and the doctor said it probably wasn't breast cancer. But after I then went to the breast uh, cancer centre in Bristol and they diagnosed that it was. And it was at that point that I felt... Um, I needed to start talking to people. And I don't know if it's um, something that, um, I don't know if it's a particular female trait. Um, It might just be a general trait, but I do feel that women are particularly good at at seeking support from other women. Mm. And it was that point that I started talking more to Linda. I was always talking to Linda anyway, because I class her as a friend. But it was that point where I started to talk to Linda about how her expertise could help me through the through the next next stage that, that was going to happen with this this diagnosis mm. uh, did you know at that time how advanced it was um it was really strange when i was in the shower and i felt the lump i knew instinctively that mm. it was cancer mm. and there is no medical explanation for that mm. it was an instinct and everybody was saying it would be okay and it probably wouldn't be even the doctor said that mm. but i kind of kind of knew at that point um and I found it it was one point it was one centimeter that I found it mm. but by the time they took it out it was actually 
uh, more like 2.8 centimeters. Oh goodness! Um, and yeah, and also um, I, I also discovered that I had an ovarian cyst that was non-cancerous, that was the size of the football growing inside of me, oh, which goodness. was pushing up on my diaphragm. Yeah, so so basically, um, between January and the spring of 2017, I was diagnosed with a breast cancer um, in my left breast, and I was diagnosed with a non-cancerous ovarian cyst that was the size of a football and weighed a stone in, in my tummy. And um, I was also um, went for an operation that took away my ovaries, so I went through a surgical menopause. And how so old there was were sort you? of the three things. So I was forty-seven. Gosh. Yeah. And is, was it one of those things, I know you said with uh, the, when you felt the lump, you knew it was cancer. Did you, did you feel any um, ill effects from the, the cyst as well? Yeah, to be honest with you, the breast cancer didn't make me feel ill. I, mm. In fact, if it, you know, the doctor said it probably wasn't and I thought it wasn't. And I was doing a lot of exercise and, and eating healthily and everything in those days. Um, so I think that's why it's important, and I know everybody says this, but it's important, please, please check for lumps, ch yeah. check your breasts every month. Yeah. Um, but the ovarian uh, cyst had been causing me problems for two years, and it was getting worse, and I was, it was pushing my diaphragm up so I couldn't breathe, Gosh. and it was also pushing down on my bladder. So in effect, it was like being a bit like being pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound like a, a, it's... Um very comfortable really no it was only because i was diagnosed with a breast cancer that then they sent me for the scan prip i had been to the doctor previously for it two years pr prior to that mm -hmm. but they thought it was just to do with i needed to lose weight mm. um and so so that was what's so interesting is so sometimes a positive you, you can get diagnosed for something and it positively then means that you get scanned for a lot of other things that mm. might be might be going on for you that you're kind of overlooking or you you haven't had agreement that you'll get a scan for it mm -hmm. so that was that was super helpful that was a, a real positive if, mm -hmm. if if you know if we can see it in terms mm -hmm. of positives and do you do you mind talking about and if you don't that's fine because i'm prying um i mean <laughs> how how was that for you when you received the diagnosis i don't mean for you to go down a rabbit hole but just you know how how was that Oh, well, it's interesting you say rabbit hole because in my coaching, I use a lot of Alice in Wonderland theme <laughs> and um, actually it felt like that. It just felt mm. like the ground was going from underneath you. Mm. And uh, I think everybody, we, we all know that actually we, we don't live forever. We all know that at some point um, something might happen, um, mm. but we, we go along in our lives um, sort of with hope and optimistically that things are going to be okay, that we're going to get through every day. And what happens when you get diagnosed, well, for me, what happened to me when I got diagnosed was that it just brought everything really into sharp focus. Like if you think of a, uh, an amazing um, photograph where suddenly everything is sharp. Mm. And uh, I, I had um, a hysterectomy 16 years ago when I had a premie baby and it, so I had actually been through a life-threatening experience. I lost eight pints of blood Gosh. then, and I nearly died when I gave birth to my second child. So I'd had a, a near-death experience before, and it just makes everything come into really sharp focus. And usually we, with our days, we, we just get on with our lives and we relax and, and things are very positive. 
um, it wasn't it wasn't positive, but it was suddenly everything was just larger, louder. Um, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of um, reaching out to people. And Linda was one of the people that I that I was able to reach out to, mm. and she was, you know, absolutely amazing. I was actually going to ask you, Sarah. Um, a lot of people, you know, when they get diagnosed. Um, announce things on Facebook and you know I've seen many people actually do that you were quite private with mm. your diagnosis what led you mm. to that because you, you you know the way I know you you're very open so what, what, what was the decision that led you to that I think for me whenever um, anything happens in my life I uh, like this um, when you have something that that is really uh, you know absolutely life-changing like this you have to look at how to be more resilient, really. You have to mm. suddenly become re more resilient than you've never been before um, and face up to, to, to the challenge. And it, and it really felt like a challenge. And for me, whenever I have anything go on like that, I always get very, very focused on things like helping other people through coaching. So for me, I just wanted to coach. I wanted to keep coaching. Even though I lost my hair through chemotherapy, I put on a wig and I kept coaching. And I felt that actually if I came out about my cancer diagnosis, that would detract from my ability to do my coaching work. So I think that was probably part of it. And I think the other part of it is that you have to look after yourself. Everything becomes all about you looking after yourself and your own self-care. And when you talk to people about, about your cancer, uh, often you find yourself going into... Uh, making it okay for the other person that's quite tiring sometimes so it's almost like battening down the head hatches getting on doing my coaching keeping things on track and actually every time I spoke to people if I was to share to share it that would open up a whole load of dialogues that then would take the energy that I didn't have at that point that's interesting so do you do you think sometimes making it okay for everyone is sort of making it okay for you too or is it just a burden I think people genuinely are, are awesome and they want to help and they're asking how you are because they want to be there and be supportive. Mm. But I think sometimes when you don't know if it's going to be okay, define okay. You know, that's mm. a really big, big thing to do when you're going through a diagnosis. It's like you're kind of a little bit lost and you're trying to find your own way. And I think when people ask you if you're okay, then actually... Um, it can be a difficult question to answer mm. because you actually don't want to say to them, I don't know, because then what is the response that's going to come mm. back? Then, you know, then that can bring up a whole load of things that people might not want to explore. You know, they don't want to feel like they're prying. Yeah. So I think the whole conversation about cancer, how we talk about cancer, how we can get supported through cancer, but also how we can... Um, really respect re respect our friends, respect ourselves, respect our carers. I think that's a, a really interesting conversation. Mm. See, I find that most people will react saying, just stay positive, stay positive. But that's a, such a loaded statement yeah. to say to somebody because what, what, what does that mean? Because I was thinking mm. also, well, sometimes you really just don't know if you're okay. And we don't allow people to be in that sort of state, which is, um, you know, I... I it's a fascinating sort of process, isn't it? And I like what you say about that. I mean, I do, and I, you know, I understand what you're saying about that, Linda. Of, um, you know, stay positive. Well, okay, but I don't feel it right now. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't want us to to continue to to. We could we could really go down this road a lot further, but. 
as far as talking with with Linda, Sarah, because um, mm. um, I mean Linda's knowledge and um, ability to work with people who have cancer and her support has really. I've known Linda for several years, and different people she's worked with that that have had a cancer diagnosis. What mm-hmm. was your? Is it right to say what is the? Did you go through a process? Did you meet and and sort of just rehash everything? How do we? How do you want to talk about that? Well, I think um, because Linda was my friend, so it's almost like Linda had. Uh, kind of two roles it was almost like in one respect she was my friend so I I talked to her like I talked to my other friends Mm -hmm. and shared what was going on I shared my my appointment information and my (laughs) hopes and my fears um and so I was already sort of chatting to Linda anyway through uh, Messenger um, privately through through my Facebook app. And uh, but it was when Linda then offered and said to me, look, I can give you a nutritional plan. Mm-hmm. So I think it wasn't in a way that I, I didn't feel like I asked Linda for things. I felt that organically it came about that Linda, because she's such a generous person, um, she started to offer me um, ideas and tips. And then then she gave me a nutritional plan and it had amazing outcomes and really amazing outcomes which i can you know tell you about yeah i would love i would love for you to to go on did you so you had you had surgery um yeah. and did you have uh, did you have treatment as well yeah so i went through surgery and they found um they found it spread to my lymph so that was when they decided to give me chemo but they couldn't right. give me chemo because i found a lump and I kept insisting, I have a lump in my tummy. And they were and they were like, well, do you know, if you're worried about things at the moment, I think we need to get things checked out. And so they found this huge ovarian cyst. Um, and so I couldn't have chemo because they needed to do, they did a huge operation, you know, huge vertical incision and took this uh, huge mass that was like the size of a football out of my tummy. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, pretty incredible. And my, my, my daughter... In a, in a rather sick way, but but she's got a very dark humour. She's a sixteen. Called it her evil twin, um, which was quite which is quite funny. My my kids were amazing in all of this. Um, so then I had to wait till that healed up, and that was a like an like an eight inch a vertical incision. We're not talking keyhole here. Um, so that healed, and then I had the chemo, and then I had radiotherapy after that, um, and it was particularly during. During the chemo, I was I had to make a decision whether to go for the chemo or not. And there is so much information out there, absolutely um, so much information that, that's conflicting, and, and it's a very difficult decision. And Linda really helped me to to make a decision that was helpful for me. One of the things in all of this, when you're diagnosed, is very much to feel like you are involved in the decision making. You don't want to feel that you are things are being done to you. And so, so to get together with Linda, that really helped um, around the chemo. I mean, I can say, for example, the plan that she put together and helped me with meant that when I was going through chemo, I had very good levels of iron. When I started to get a bit anemic, I told uh, the nurses that I was going to eat my weight in organic kale <laughs> and I was going to follow a whole load of... Um, ideas and tips that Linda had given me and they said to me no it won't make any difference the chemo is totally going to like strip your body you can eat as much kale as you like and I went well I really like kale (laughs) and uh, the next time I came back and they give you what they do is they give you a blood test to see whether you're healthy enough to cope with the next round of the chemo so Mm -hmm. I had six 
six lots of chemo. They give it every three weeks, but a week before they give you a blood test to see how you are. And the blood test showed that my anemia had reduced because of what I'd been eating. And I was very lucky that um, one of the nurses there um, actually had some links to Penny Brom um, and uh, she has some nutritional information. She had some knowledge. So when I was said to her, look, Linda Sims and Penny Brom, you know, and I mentioned some of these, uh, some of the supports I'd had and the nutritional advice I was going with, Mm -hmm. the nurse, you know, I had some very, very tuned in nurses who were like, well, actually, you know, this is probably why um, your anemia is reduced. So that was just, I don't know, sorry, I'm, I'm probably uh, going on. I don't know if that was the question, Tips. <laughs> Sarah, I remember, you know, where, before you had chemo, we also sorted um, second opinion. So I, I thought that was really an important thing to actually have another doctor to confirm, you know, what you should be doing, what mm. to expect. And we actually went to staff throwers and you spoke yes. to Dr Mannings. And I thought that was, you found him very, very engaging. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a there's an amazing book, um, Anti-Cancer, A New Way of Life, that they sell at Penny Brom and you can, you can get online. Mm-hmm. And, and in that book, it, it talks about um, that, that if a doctor is diagnosed with cancer, it's very rare they just go for one that they go to the person they're given. They often go for second appointments, second opinions. Mm-hmm. And um, so... I was really had all this information coming out. I was feel, feeling very overwhelmed. I did a lot of reading and Linda really helped me by saying, you know, why don't you contact Dr. Mannings? And Dr. Mannings is an oncologist um, with this charity and oh, yeah. he gave me a 45 minute free uh, consultation wow. online. And I, I was able to, to go through all the chemo plan with him Hmm. um and he was super helpful and actually a lot of what dr mannings said backed up what lindra told me the importance of things like um turmeric Hmm. so he talked a lot about turmeric liposomal turmeric Hmm. um i mentioned i went to penny brom um lindra advised me to, to get other opinions i also went to see dr still at penny brom who was very helpful and advised to get a vitamin D check and my mm. vitamin D levels were very low. So yes, so absolutely. So so the Star Throwers charity and Penny Brom, I went for different, um, uh, yeah, went, went to sort different advice. And also when I went to my oncologist, my first oncologist did not understand anything about nutrition. Right. So I went back to Linda and Linda advised me and gave me a list of a few people that she had um, had clients use in the past as oncologists. Mm. And I had a new oncologist and my new oncologist, he was absolutely amazing. And I was able to send him research papers and he sent me research papers. And we had a very collaborative relationship to working on my treatment plan. And I think this is really important, you know, being actually a part of the whole process, like mm. Sarah said, because it can be very lonely. And, you know, if, if you don't take an active role, just agreeing th- to things blindly. And I think having that active role and actually it, the research shows that if you feel like you are taking part, if you feel like you are in control, you actually have better outcomes. Mm. So taking an active role in this journey is really, really important. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, what's really nice is that um, you had, uh, what's wonderful is that you already had the relationship with Linda. Um, mm-hmm. And and that essence, uh, as you said before, that women are often better at seeking support from one another. But it sounds like you really had a good support group 
that you were able to build alongside that you and Linda were able to build together to make sure that you were getting the the right people to, to help you. It's not that the oncologists don't want to help you, but there are some that just are more in tune with the nutritional aspects and how valuable it can be, aren't they? You know, we, we okay. ran into the problem with supplements, for example, mm. when Sarah was told nothing in a capsule. Right. <laughs> Right. That was my first oncologist. Yeah. Yes. I, so I got that, a new one. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's something, if, if you didn't have the knowledge that you can get a new oncologist, yeah. that this is something actually people should realise that there are different opinions mm. and you can seek a different opinion. And, do you know, what? us as nu- nutritional therapists, we are there to support you also. And I'm not going to give anybody something that's unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. So I always want to send you know, research to the oncologist if, if they have any doubts that you can use this particular product. So it, it's, it's really important mm. to have this collaborative approach. Yeah, Linda's really good. She's building quite a, a good reputation with um, many doctors uh, around because just because of that very thing of sending letters and, and information supporting backing up why she feels people should uh, have the nutritional therapy that she suggested which I think is wonderful so did you if we if we kind of uh, move on a little bit did you so did you guys meet and and did you set up a plan and did you send that to the oncologist how did you how did you do that what did you do because you're saying the first oncologist said nothing in a pill or nothing Mm. in a capsule what was your what was your process for doing that well i think um in my head i had let's get my team together Mm. you know i need everybody let's get my team together and so you know linda was like one of the the main people in my team and i also went for um massage and acupuncture um it was about getting into my body as well as getting into my mindset and um, what happened was that Linda sent me a plan. And, and at that point, um, I was quite ill um, often. And I, so a lot of our conversations were through, you know, through, through Messenger mm. and chats and uh, FaceTime, which was really lovely. Mm. Um, and then basically when Linda gave me the plan and uh, I would always come back and ask her things and she would come back with information. But because Linda put it out uh, beautifully in a document for me, what happened was I would take that document to my oncology appointments Mm -hmm. and I would say, this is what I'm doing. Um, And I would sort of go through all the supplements I was taking. So whenever you, if you go for something like chemo, you have to list down all the different supplements you're taking. Even if you're going for things like radiology, any treatment you're going for, you have to fill out a load of forms to say what you're doing. So actually the fact that Linda had it all written down for me, that really helped. So I took that along. My first oncologist wasn't very supportive about about nutrition, but but the, the oncologist I did end up with in the end he he was uh, very interested in what I was taking mm-hmm. and we talked about anything that would get in the way and if anything so for example things like vitamin c I didn't take that during the, the, the chemotherapy so I, I I basically wanted to work in a collaborative way and then mm-hmm. Linda and I would meet up you know we would meet up and have things like um, buddha bowls together and <laughs> beautiful beautiful green tea and <laughs> so so that was really lovely so it was very energizing to mm-hmm. kind of meet up with Linda um, in that, I, yeah. I would say you know, that uh, this was very um, unconventional uh, client 
relationship uh, client therapist relationship because we are friends <laughs> yeah. so you know it's it's completely different but i i actually found you know working with sarah in this way has really enriched my therapy and mm. the knowledge i have gained from her you know just, just really because i was aware of everything that's been happening you know when you see a client you see them during appointments and you know you might have email communication but with Sarah it was pretty much you know when she was going through chemotherapy you know sometimes we, we were messaging every day you know throughout the day so I knew this uh, the side effects she was going through so I kind of watched the whole whole process and also the way her family reacted and I mean Sarah you must be so so proud how, how your children reacted and supported you know like making you your juices and <laughs> hazel cutting her beautiful hair and all that yeah. it was a beautiful journey actually to be part of yeah and do, do you know Rowan my son every day he still makes me a juice every morning and brings it up to me when he before school it's brilliant even though I say you don't need to do that I can make my own juice so Aww. I think I think something deep down within my children were very much like, what can we do to help? And I think the whole idea about um, your mindset and trying to, uh, we can't always be positive, but we can face up to some of the challenges and we can try and find solutions. What are the solutions to moving us forward in this journey? And one of the solutions was very much to take on board uh, Linda's advice. And um, so one of the things was, was to do the juicing and my children wanted to get involved in that and help out, which was lovely. Um, they also did a, an abseil for Penny Brom, which was amazing. <laughs> and some of the changes I made were things like um, with the Wi-Fi, turning the Wi-Fi off at night mm -hmm. and being careful when I was on the phone. A lot of things we don't actually know that's what's going to help and what isn't going to help. But mm -hmm. we know things like plastic. I made a lot of changes to, to having plastic. I started to use steamers rather than the microwave. Now I eat only organic fruit and veg or the clean 15 as much as I can. I do a lot of coaching and dancing and I try and go for a walk and have a break every day as well. So there was a load of changes and I think it's interesting when we think about our children because when we're making changes, we have to think, actually, this is going to inform their decision making in the future. Mm. When one in two people in their lives get cancer these days, which mm. is really horrific, you know, we want to know what is our plan? What is our journey? How are we going to move forward and, and li live through this if it happens? What are we going to uh, show our children? And I think my relationship with Linda was so helpful because they saw somebody who was able to give advice and give tips and be there as a, as a resource mm. um, in a way that was just was very special, you know, and that they hate the fact there's only coconut sugar in my house now. <laughs> and they hate the fact that I'm, it's oat milk this and oat milk that, and there's not so much dairy in the house. But, but you know, these changes are, 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 are some of the things that we did as a family. They are, they're vegetarian, they still eat milk and cheese. I made some changes myself, but we try and eat organic veg as the whole family mm. as much as possible. So, oh, sorry, Linda, did you want to say something? Uh, yes, I, I was I was going to say that I was really inspired by Sarah when she lost her hair, how she approached the whole getting a wig um, <laughs> issue. I thought that was brilliant. You know, only Sarah would have dreadlocks. Um, I, I thought that was so fantastic. And she wrote a brilliant blog that I actually sent now to my clients who are going through chemo and are losing their hair because it's really inspirational how you can turn that into something positive and i think, I think it's about yeah sorry linda no I said that that's that's just the, the way you've approached this whole journey was very very inspirational 
and that's you know that, that was one part of it but I think that that's the whole resilience and I know you do lots of coaching and you coach on how to be resilient but that that was absolutely fantastic thank you that means a lot and I think you know I think we have options don't we and I think to be resourceful was one of the things um that I thought well if how can I make how can I be resourceful as a way to kind of take my mind off feeling sorry for myself because mm. we do feel sorry for ourselves oh, I have to say you know it's like I gave up more or less I have a little bit but I gave up um, alcohol and you know every time you go out to the party and you're not drinking anymore mm or you're drinking little, you, you can feel, you can get into wallow mode. So I was very aware that when I got into wallow mode, let's move that away, let's be resourceful. And I think, you know, writing for oncology department in wig wearing was pretty, was pretty fun. Um, getting into wigs was pretty fun. I have an amazing hairdresser, Colette Green, and she <laughs> helped style my wigs. And um, she gave me loads of wig support and that was really important. And then eventually I just, my hair grew back and I, I just said I'd had my hair cut. I chose not to really come out publicly to my coaching coaches about my cancer because I do person-centered coaching and it's about them. Um, I would say one thing was really helpful is I trained doctors and consultants in the NHS and that was helpful. I, so I found not only having the coaching background, but also training doctors and coaching and mentoring skills meant that I was able to have an understanding of what it means maybe to, to be a doctor when people get diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So when I went to some of my appointments, I was very much very aware that, you know, the, the doctors are human too. Mm -hmm. And they, nobody 100% knows how to, to manage cancer. You know, mm -hmm. we're all we're all trying to help each other. So yeah. I think, you know, trying to be as resourceful as possible um, with what we've got around us is really important. I think it's really brave. And I, you know, I really like what you did with uh, the wigs. I think that's fantastic and, and really encouraging and supportive to so many. And I also think the fact that you had courage to talk to um, doctors in the NHS about it is equally good. So it, it kind of gives them something that they can touch um, in sort of the ethereal way, not the physical way, but you know, they can, can put a finger on it and just say I understand this more at least they can put it into context because mm -hmm. like you say they are equally they are human they also get mm -hmm. diagnosis all those yeah. things which are which are also scary I've kind of I'm, it's an interesting process right now listening to what all you're saying I think one of the things I find quite interesting about your consulting practice as a coach I find it really inspiring what you've done and I realize you don't you know, you don't want to, to make it about you in your sessions with them. But I, I mm. do find that your ability to dig within and create your own community is a real sense of inspiration, I would think, for so many. I mean, I think um, it, it is, it's always a really difficult one. It's, when, when, you, when you are a practitioner, how much do you share? And um, I mean, I've been coaching for like 20 years now. My background is in working in the criminal justice system. And in, you know, in my training, it wasn't about sharing it, things from your life unless, unless it would be helpful for the coachee. Um, and currently, I haven't actually been, there's only been one person that has come to me um, particularly wanting some coaching through the cancer journey. The other coaches are coming for things like performance and well-being, leadership yeah. skills, 
um, I work with young people through anxiety. There's a load of different uh, different mm. ways people come to me for coaching. And I think if someone came to me for coaching through the cancer, then they would know. And mm. I might say to them, would it be helpful to share something from my life? But I think um, we have to be really careful and remember that we're all so different. And what might work for me, certainly I wouldn't want to suggest that it would work for somebody else. Mm. And I think that was the testament to how amazing Linda is, mm -hmm. because... Linda sees so many people going through the journey and never once did she use the word should, must. She never ever pushed all her ideas on me. It was suggestions. And sometimes Linda shared her own opinions on things. And it was always done in a very sort of, um, in a very supportive, helpful way. Because there is so much literature out there that it can be very confusing for people going through the cancer journey. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's very anti-chemo then very pro-chemo there's stuff about you know there's all sorts of things out there that you start to read um and the more you read the more confused you get so i do think being a coach myself i think that did help um i work on a resilience model um i wrote for penny brom about resilience and i use some of those some of my resilience steps to help me but, you know, I didn't always get it right. I, I wouldn't say that I always did everything right in, during, the, during the sort of crisis times, I would call it. You know, uh, I had a good old cry sometimes and uh, I did complain about my vegetable juice on, on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to come up with stuff. So, Linda, I mean, how was, uh, I'm, I'm guessing because, uh, you know, being a, a nutritional therapist myself, I, I, I'm guessing your approach with everyone is going to be so so vastly different when people have a diagnosis of cancer. Um, well, it definitely depends where they are in their journey. You know, so I, I see people who might have had a recurrence, you know, people who have gone through treatment or people who are now going through treatment. So it's it's always different. And also you have to meet the person where they are at that particular time. I mean, Sarah's always at healthy. Initially, she was a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So it was tweaking with her. It was really tweaking and ensuring that she's getting as many nutrients, as many antioxidants as she can in her diet. And then looking at things like medicinal mushrooms and using those in an ongoing kind of way to you know, help her stay healthy Yes, it's, 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 you know, everybody is very much different. You know, Sarah's one of those people who has lots of energy. She wanted to get into dancing. She wanted to start running. She wanted to do lots of things. There are people who don't do that. So you just have to work with them and meet them where they are. Uh, you don't want to push them too much. Mm. So it was it was easier having someone like, and I guess it's not easier, that's the wrong word to use, but knowing, it sounds like, Sarah, you were very much into health and fitness already. So as Linda said, well, I mean, what was your, was it, was it mostly foods? Was it a combination of foods and supplements? What did you all work on together? Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting because like, like Linda says, I thought I was healthy. You know, um, I was vegetarian. I was uh, doing dance performance. You know, I danced for 15 years. I was, I was doing dancing every day um, whenever I could. But um, I had a full time, sorry, I had a part time job coaching and training. And then I had a part time job in the criminal justice system running rehabilitation programs. And I think that was too much. And so the, one of the first things I did was give up the criminal justice work and focus on the dancing and the coaching and training full time that really helped 
the vegetarian side of things, I realized that actually uh, I was eating a lot of cheese. We know that my cancer was estrogen driven. And although in America we know um, that there's more hormones in milk, I'm told, than there are in this country, um, my, all my doctors oncologists said it was safe to drink milk. But I was concerned about putting any anything in my body that might have gone through um, an animal that had hormones, if you know what I mean. Mm. So, so, you know, we're, we're talking we're talking milk, you know, it's obviously going to have hormones. So I realised that actually I was eating a lot of cheese. I mean, we're talking a lot every day. I think I probably had a cheese addiction. And I was saying, <laughs> hey, I'm vegetarian, I'm healthy. But yeah. actually, I had a lot of cheese, I had a lot of milk. So those were the things to go. I also, um, Linda helped me to, to sort of research about organic veg, veg. I looked up, there's something amazing called the Clean 15, mm -hmm. where you can, if you can't get um, everything organic, because it can cost a bit more, you can actually go on and find fruit and vegetables that are, are safer to eat because they have less pesticides. Mm -hmm. With supermarkets, some of the supermarkets are doing more organic veg much cheaper now. So that was helpful. So I started to, uh, to really think, actually, I'm putting a lot of toxins in my body with the pesticides. I was doing a lot of microwaving. So suddenly I became more about eating raw uh, veg um, right. and, and having more organic. And then I, I was dancing, but I wasn't probably doing as much dance as I wanted. So I thought I want to do dance for two hours every day. But even if it's not dancing, even going for a walk, it was actually getting up and getting into your body. Coaching and training, I was, um, I was sitting down a lot. So those are some of the changes I made. And filtering my water, I started to filter my water and cut out sugar. Um, so there was a lot of sugary chocolates and things I was having. If you, if you cut out dairy, then you're not going to go near the chocolates. Mm. So I started to reduce my sugar. That's some of the sort of changes that, that I think helped. We don't know, do we? But we, we can, we just need to do our best. Alcohol as well. Now, I, if I drink alcohol, it's organic. But I tend to drink three spirits drinks, which is a non-alcoholic, um, has things like lion's mane in it and things like cacao, some really lovely um, herbs in it. So I, I have three spirits drinks, social elixir, it's called, rather than having alcohol. And that reduces sugar as well, of course. Cool. What's it called? Three spirits? Yeah, three spirits. They they the three spirits dot com. So they okay. there's lots of different non alcoholic drinks out there, but the three spirits they use a load of uh, natural herbs, which are quite nice. Cool. And they do they do a nightcap as well that has um, white willow and valerian in. They they do three different types. Oh, wow. It's quite expensive, but actually, if you think about how much wine you might get through, so that was super helpful. So those are some of the changes. That I made. I wanted to reduce toxins. I also wanted to get rid of trans fats. So now I have cold olive oil and I cook with rapeseed oil. And that was also some of the advice from Linda. Um, because they think margarines, there's quite a lot of rubbish in, in margarine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my opinion. This is all my opinion, of course. Well, we've talked to Linda and I, we, we had a, a really nice session about being plant-based and just because people are vegetarians, it doesn't always mean that they have the healthiest diets. Not that you didn't. It sounds like even though you were a cheese fiend, you were doing, <laughs> a, you were doing a lot of really good things. But Linda's really good on the resources and the various things that you can do to really fine-tune your diet or what you're eating. I'm, I'm guessing she must have had a really nice protocol set up for you, knowing her the way I do. And I would say, you know, <laughs> Sarah really, um, you, you, you see from what Sarah did, isn't it was not just 
nutrition, it was the exercise, it was the alcohol, it was the stress reduction, you know, mm. actually, mm. I remember um, we met up, it was the day when you actually quit your job, and I remember how she relieved you were, and that is so important, you know, I always mm. tell uh, my cancer clients, write a list of things that stress you out, that cause you stress, and see if we can remove some of these, and I yeah. think it's really, really important, because you really need to look after yourself and I always also tell them to be selfish because you need to put yourself first and it's not actually it's not selfish to put yourself first because if you put yourself first you give yourself the best chance mm. and that's actually protecting the people around you yeah. so yeah. it's really important yeah. to be selfish and to yeah. take the time to just be yourself you know, take time to relax. You know, how many people, and you know that, Deb, mm. you ask people, so what do you do to relax? <laughs> and they look at you blankly and say, Netflix? <laughs> yeah. So it's really important, you know, to do the things that you love. Like, I know Sarah likes going to gigs and she loves <laughs> going to see, watch movies. And all those things are really, really, really important. And they're part of that healing journey too. It's not just, you know, what you're eating. It's the whole it's it, it basically it's a holistic approach and mm. that's what we are trained to do really look at everything holistically and mm. I think Sarah's done that beautifully sorry to jump in on you Sarah but I think that's a really mm. interesting thing of talking about the self-care for all of us regardless of of whether we have cancer is just our lifestyle because stress is the real nasty that everyone's busy we're all running around as we said even before we started recording every day's monday you know those old things mm -hmm. those old songs um and it's having that moment for you to have the quiet time that's just so important we just don't do it oh my days it's so important yeah i mean i remember like microwaving <laughs> cheese lasagna in in a plastic black plastic thing and and literally rushing it down in like five minutes mm. in between running uh, I was at that point I was doing domestic abuse uh, rehabilitation programs I was doing the back to back and I was rushing down rushing down this food that would be microwave and I think one of the things is that a diagnosis in some respects for me was a gift and that sounds really bizarre to say it like that, but it gave me a real sense of purpose through the challenge. And I thought, you know, what is important to me? Like Linda says, you know, doing the things you love. And I always wanted to teach belly dance. And this <laughs> this spring, I'm going to start doing that. And I always wanted to um, expand my coaching and training. Um, but I thought I didn't have enough belief that I could make it work. Um, so I, I had to keep doing a job that although I... I loved was very difficult it was very mm. stressful working with male perpetrators of domestic abuse and so I, I gave that up so in a way part of me would never have given that up because I was I was doing so much good work and I really enjoyed the work and, and helping people make their families and, and their environment safer you know it's safer for children safer for families addressing domestic abuse was an amazing job but at the same time it it wasn't about me putting myself, my needs first and my self-care. So in a way, the cancer gave me the gift. And I think sometimes this is the way to look at things is that we get given this, handed this card. Actually, what are we going to do with it? And mm. so I actually got into, you know, being able to prioritize dance and coaching each day was just absolutely amazing for me. And I would, I'm going to um, Las Vegas um, in March to renew my vows with my oh. husband. We've been together 28 years and we, oh. we're, we're booking Elvis and I'm buying, <laughs> I'm going to wear a dress that costs six pounds and it's shiny Excellent. and plastic. 
And I would never have worn a shiny plastic dress and gone to Las Vegas with, you know, hunk hunk of burning love playing. No. But this is because I got the cancer diagnosis. We have to seize the day, you know. Mm, that's interesting. Now, uh, one thing we haven't really even sort of touched on was, I mean, we've talked a little bit about the food. We haven't talked about supplements at all. Is that something that you think is worth addressing other than you had a list of supplements that you shared with the oncologists? Um, is there anything you want to talk about with regard to that or no? Yeah, I think that's really important um, because uh, for me, the vitamin D, get, get, going to see Dr. Still and mm. Dr. Still at Penny Brom and uh, Linda also advised, you know, what is going on with your vitamin D? And we're meant to be about 50 and I was like at 25. I really, you know, I was doing a lot of dance in the house or, or, or at, at classes and I was uh, doing a lot of coaching and training inside my house um, and I just wasn't getting the vitamin D and that was very low. And that was something that I took all, all the way through. Um, vitamin C, I stopped that during the chemo, but I did start that again afterwards. I found CBD oil, um, and I find the one I used was simply CBD. Um, but And that was with, um, it's, it's a company from the Forrester Dean that, mm -hmm. that, that sell that. And I got the CBD oil, and that was, uh, I didn't take that during the chemo because I wasn't sure. But that helped reduce stress levels and helped me to relax when I was going through the surgical menopause because going through the menopause that abruptly caused anxiety. So that was super helpful. But Linda's um, advice on the medicinal mushrooms, um, the turkey tail, I didn't take it through the chemo only just because I was being really careful. But there's no evidence to say you can't, I don't think. But Linda's idea was to get me to boost my energy levels to boost my nutritional levels as much as I could so I could go through the chemo with uh, as least um, damage to my body as possible. So I take the turkey tail mushroom. I still take it. It's a really good immune immunity booster. And also I started to take B12 as well, not mm. during the, the chemo, but um, because I more or less, I'm, I'm not always vegan, but at most days I have a vegan diet. So mm. the B12 I thought was really important. So, so those were some of the things that I thought was helpful. And, but I checked everything out with my oncologist. Mm. And now I have less, less CBD, but I'm still taking the turkey tail, vitamin C. But it's a very uh, personal thing, isn't it? What nutrients you take. Absolutely. Linda, do you have anything you want to add on that at all? I would say, you know, if, if there's one thing I recommend and you know it, it, it would be the mushrooms. They're amazing. And, and the turkey tail has been researched so extensively. And actually that the, the um, turkey tail Sarah is using has been researched. Um, in a, it has been used in FDA research in the US. So it's, you know, it's very well researched. It's very safe. And that's something that I would really recommend, you know, taking not only throughout treatment, but also uh, post-treatment when in remission you know that it is an amazing amazing immune system booster so yeah definitely that that would be my number one supplement wow okay um that's wonderful to hear linda's knowledge about medicinal mushrooms is fantastic i mean we know that for sure don't we she loves mushrooms um <laughs> And, but where where are you now? How are you feeling now? And what's going on with you? I mean, you've got a thriving practice. You're doing some really exciting things, renewing your vows. Um, mm -hmm. Your son's still bringing you juice first thing in the morning. What's what's going on with you now? So um, what's happening now is 
for me is that I'm very, I sort of use my body as a barometer. So I'm very sort of aware that actually if I'm doing a lot of coaching back to back that I need to then go for a walk. If I haven't done enough dance practice in the day, I need to try and fit it in the evening. So I'm, I'm, we constantly, we have this idea when we have something like a challenge like this comes up, we, we suddenly make all these amazing changes, but mm. we know that actually sustaining, maintaining change. So I used to do a lot of work. I still do a lot of work around change management. We know that there's the inst, inst, instant changes that you make mm. and we see loads of good things about that. So I've lost, you know, two and a half stone of weight. I've got a beautiful tattoo over my tummy <laughs> that covers up my, my huge scar from the ovarian cyst. You know, my hair is growing back. I feel fabulous but in order to do that I had to think I've got to make this permanent so I will permanently give up dairy I'm going to not have sugar every day I'm going to do my exercise every day I want to keep my weight down so I think it's about where I am now is is very much around maintenance I'm maintaining the changes and I think it's always going to be um a scary thing you know the thought of cancer the thought of cancer returning it's always going to be there one thing that helped me make sense of it all was that everybody crosses a road every day. I don't run up to people who are about to cross a road and check that they're okay, check that they're going to make it over the other side of the road, check how they feel about being on the curb, how they're going to feel at the other side. People ask you how you are through your cancer because they care. But at some point, we have to think actually cancer is just one part of life that we can go through. As a woman, you know, from a young age, we have smear tests, we have mammograms when we get older, we have to check our breasts every month. We then go through the menopause, you know, these are different stages, we go through pregnancy, there's lots of different things going on for us. Um, when we make a birth plan to give birth, we don't always get that wonderful water pool <laughs> and, and a beautiful gas and air. Sometimes we end up in a you know, in, in a last minute hospital with uh, an epidural, you know. So I think it's a little bit like just remembering every day to appreciate what you have and to keep renewing why you're doing what you're doing and to actually be kind to yourself. And sometimes I, I don't go to events anymore. Sometimes I say, actually, I'm not up to go clubbing tonight. And I actually have kind of changed a lot of my lifestyle to kind of keep with the plan that Linda helped me put together because it wasn't just a nutritional plan. I shouldn't say just, it was very important as a nutritional plan. It was actually a lifestyle plan. It was a holistic approach. So I don't know really if I'm never going to know where I am. It's a bit like, do we ever know, I think is the question. <laughs> I, but I, I do yeah. know that I'm making, but it's a brilliant question, Deb, and it's a question that everybody asks. And I ask myself every day, but I think the answer is, this is, this is one part of what I'm going through. Today I'm here. Today I'm okay, and today I actually have hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, it's really important to see this. It's not just an anti-cancer diet. It, this is a healthy lifestyle diet. This is, you know, this is something that will carry you forward. And, and you see it very often, you know, people get there um, all clear, and then they can start falling back into old habits. And I think mm. it's really important not to do that. So and, and Sarah has demonstrated that that she she's keeping those changes going because well she feels great and I think that's that's important you know she doesn't miss the alcohol she's enjoying her juices and I can tell you that she's very hardcore with her juicing <laughs> sure. not many people will juice parsnip and other things but she's <laughs> so do, do you know it, this is what we need to get out there that 
it is a lifestyle change and it's something that you've got to carry on doing. Yeah. Of course, if you fancy a piece of cake, that's absolutely fine. But don't go back into having chocolate every day and having stacks of cheese every day. Yeah. So it's all about, you know, really make, making those changes in your head, mm-hmm. saying this is my life now. This is how I'm going to look after myself from now on. And do you do you two meet up still on a regular basis? I mean, I know you're friends, um, so you're going to do that anyway. And you both, uh, I know Linda really loves music as well. But do you two meet up on a regular basis as um, the clinician, you know, nutritional therapist to client? It's more as friends. Mm. I mean, uh, recently, we've been to a friend's birthday party. And I can tell yeah. you, know, Sarah, despite, you know, not, not having a drink, she's there dancing. <laughs> and it's so beautiful to see. Oh, that's yeah, really that's, nice. That's true. That's really nice. So what have we left out? What should we talk about that we haven't talked about in this session? I think one thing might be uh, just to say it's quite important to be aware of emotional management um, right. and to be aware that when you go through something like this, that actually it's how you manage some of your emotions and that actually to be kind on yourself, that some days you will feel a lot of pressure building up. Recognize negative emotions that are coming in when you're under pressure and just kind of be kind to yourself that actually it's not always going to be positive it's not always going you're not always going to be happy every day sometimes you're going to feel especially with the menopause mm. you know that's another angle oh, is that me. sometimes you get kind of weepy but actually one one thing that's important in all of this is support yeah. so you know if you know sometimes i'm like you know i'm just going to go and have a little weep i'm feeling sorry for myself mm. today and i'm just going to go and have a little weep then i'm going to get my lipstick on <laughs> and my family are like okay we know where mum is. We know what she's up to. You know, she's just having a moment to herself. And so I think, you know, something that's important is to recognise that your emotions will be all over the place. And if you tune into that, if you're aware, this is the emotion that I'm going through, then it helps you to manage that so you don't then start to be snappy with other people yeah. or, you know, be stressy with other people. Yeah. You could try and to, like, actually think this is something I have to go and manage this myself. Yeah. I am not saying that I always managed that. You know, obviously, sometimes I was not, sometimes I was shouty mummy. Looking back, I think, oh, that wasn't good. But it's about just sharing that with people, saying this is how I'm feeling today. I might need a little bit of space. So I think something around emotions is quite probably quite important. And the nutrition links to that, of course. If we have a lot of coffee, you know, so I got, got into very much into green teas. Um, <laughs> Linda helped me with all, all the ideas of juicing and, yeah. and green tea. Yeah. And we know that mushrooms are very good. We know that green tea is very good. So to be aware that when you're, if you're super, if you're going to go to an appointment and you might be having to hear some hard things, that actually, you know, you don't want to mainline three coffees before then. You might <laughs> want to have your chamomile tea. So, yeah, a little bit about emotional management, I think is probably... Mm-hmm might be a good idea and i would also say you know a lot of people will come and say what's the next thing i can do what's the next supplement what's the next 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 thing and that actually make it creates more stress because it feels like i'm not doing enough you know and that that is very counterproductive no actually relaxing looking after yourself and sometimes you know it can be very simple doing simple things like changing the diet like exercising like meditating you don't have to keep searching for the next new herb that comes from tibet or you know it just it, it can be counterproductive because it feels like you are 
guilty because you're not doing enough. There's so many options. There's so many ways to work through support, you know, through uh, food and lifestyle changes that you're absolutely right. I think it's having that support in place, which um, sounds like, I mean, you're so inspiring, Sarah. It's really been wonderful hearing your story and your relationship with Linda and how that's really grown and evolved from a practitioner standpoint, from friend to practitioner, from and then back into friend. And I'm sure it's just melded throughout the whole process. But um, I think you two are, are really an amazing team. And it sounds like you've got a wonderful family as well, which is lovely. I just want to thank Linda because she she has been amazing. Um, I also have my dance family as well. The dance family have been amazing. Um, But I don't, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't have been able to do it without Linda, but I think I would have had a really, I would have found it harder to make the decisions that I needed to make my health Mm. if I hadn't had Linda around. And I do do feel quite strongly about that, quite emotional actually about the support that Linda's given me because... Mm. Not everybody finds it easy to talk through um, cancer. You know, it's a difficult subject, you know. But Linda, she's there. She's willing and listening and advising and, you know, very, very, uh, very wonderful to have behind you. I'd recommend her to Mm. anyone. Yeah. So would I. I. And I have to actually, I have to thank Sarah for actually letting me um, come onto this journey with her because it is always a privilege when you are ask to help somebody go through something this difficult and she has really inspired me through the whole uh, journey and I feel what a friendship has just really strengthened through all this mm. so I, I know I've got a friend for life you know and it's it's, it's been absolutely it, you know it's, it's been emotional but it's it's been a really really amazing journey gosh you guys are fantastic. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your your day, your schedules, um, the belly dancing and um, the, the green tea drinking and all of that stuff. And I don't mean to belittle <laughs> it because I know how important they are, really. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your journey. What I'll do is I've got a load of different links that we can provide for the show notes. Both of your websites, Star Throwers, the, the book on anti-cancer, the clean 15 so there are many things that we can put on the show notes below but mostly you two were just brilliant thank you so much for sharing your journey on this together i really appreciate it thank you deb thank you for having us Mm, anytime we'll have to do it again i hope that'd be brilliant yeah for sure good Well, folks, that's all for today. I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in to Sarah Clark's story and how Linda was able to support her from a nutritional and lifestyle standpoint. We all need to have someone there to help us get through difficult times. And as you know, that's what these podcasts are here for, not just for the difficult times, but we're here to support, collaborate, communicate, educate, and inspire one another. And I hope you find that these podcasts are doing so thus far. The only way I'll know that, though, is if you give me some feedback on that. My email is listed in the show notes. I'd also like to ask you to subscribe. All those subscribers really help me get my numbers up. And I'd like to announce that this autumn in September 2020, my colleague and friend Nita Beardsley of Love Nutrition and I are going to be hosting an event in the Bristol area. 
details will follow, but I just thought I'd make that announcement and let you know it's not just going to be about listening in, but it'll be about meeting face-to-face. In the meantime, I'd like to wish you great health. Bye for now. Bye.